welcome to the second episode of Butterfly Gamers. Yay! Hurrah! Um, first of all, we have to have the Butterfly Gamer introduction music. So this is it. Cultured here. Rock on was, to me. That was like opera and stuff. Yeah, man. In right. <laughs> so I am your host, Mike. I am joined by the very old Conrad. Hello, it's me. I don't know why you're doing a funny voice. You sound like that anyway. Conrad. Um, the very sweary Matt. Bum holes. He's not allowed to swear, you see. Nipples. <laughs> Lady Garden. <laughs> <laughs> and a new person. Blanche Gibbon. Shut up now. A new person who, if you have listened to um, episode 297 of Fool's Daily, you will have heard his dulcet tones, um, mainly asking if there's beer and stuff. It's one of our D&D group. It's Pete. Hello. That's Pete. Hi, he sound, Pete. He sounds really sensible, you know. I've met him. He's not. He's also from. This. He's also from London. <sighs> so we have to make allowances. Worse than that, I'm from Essex. I just, I just have to have to go into London to do anything fun. Essex. So Peter's Peter's joined us because one of the topics that we're going to talk about is how London's rubbish at organising tournaments and stuff. (laughs) And it smells. That's what Conrad told me that this segment was going to be called. I'm just reading off the script he gave me. Um, But first of all, because Pete's new on the show, well, he's not new because he was on the D&D episode, but he's new being able to talk. Pete, you have to give us your 30-second intro of gaming. Let's see if I can fill 30 seconds with my gaming history of um, started playing maybe three years ago. I played my first tabletop, which was a bit of Warhammer Fantasy, um, and then very quickly moved over into Malifaux, then a henchman for Malifaux, and then not a henchman for Malifaux, and now here. That's about it. All right. So why did you get... Pete is Pete. Whilst young, much, certainly much younger than us, is still relatively old. Why did you get into gaming? At, you know, in your late twenties, Pete. Um, it starts something to do that wasn't staring at a screen, which oddly enough, I stumbled across it whilst staring at a screen at work and trying not to work. And sort of bumbling around YouTube, saw a Warhammer battle report. Oh, that looks interesting. And then ended up spending a amount of money I won't mention on buying stuff and painting stuff, and then stumbled into a club and on from there. It was just basic excuse not to stare at a TV screen every night. Because cool. I mean that's a it's that's an unusual route, really. Mm. 
you know, most gamers are teen gamers, then go away and then come back. So it's it's a different thing. It's the new thing. It's what these new young people do. Is know? it? It's the way they come into gaming. Yeah, not like us in the old days. Back when it was fifty p a figure. When we used to whittle our own figures and things like that. We didn't whittle our own figures. Didn't have TVs to sit in front of then. Yeah. T V it just had three channels. Yeah. And you had to you had to turn the button so it made that noise as you as well, it we had one of those we had one of those push we had one of those push button TVs, but it only had six buttons. I don't know why it had six buttons, because there were only three channels. Three channels. Your first video recorder was about the size of a car. <laughs> and it had to be on the right channel. Yes. Our, our first telly was a bed. It was a bed telly. Yeah. You, you slept in it? <laughs> no, not a bed. A bed. What, yeah, you're hairy chin? Because <laughs> I've got a bed. It's on my chin and my <laughs> cheeks. And you got a double bed? Silly. No. Just a single bed? Yes. Used to be a goatee bed. Now it's a manly bed. Can we stop that now? Yeah. <laughs> now you've bared your soul. <laughs> Better than bearing your bottom. See, look, he, it's Flange Gibbon. <laughs> so you're relatively new to the hobby, really, the whole hobby thing. No, I've yeah, been here a while. He's not talking to you. Oh, right. Let the guests get a word in. Oh, sorry. Yeah, relatively new to sort of, oh, coming all guns blazing, really, but relatively new to it. Had you, had you done anything like the sort of model painting or anything like that before? Uh, I think I attempted to paint an Airfix model when I was about 11 and just ended up getting paint everywhere, and that very quickly put a stop to that. So other than that, no. And, yeah, just... Uh, painting was fully from YouTube videos and a lot of it was yeah I was thinking now a lot of it probably was an excuse not to do any work whilst at work and having access to YouTube because your painting has come on quite a lot recently in the last sort of six months to a year I'd say and you knock stuff out quite quickly as well or you appear to knock stuff out quite quickly slow as the quality's gone up the speed's gone has gone down yes Yes, that is that is the way. It looks lovely, though. I really like your um, the models you were using at the weekend. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, we went to a tournament. Thing. We did. I, nice. I went to an I went to an organised event. I did, I, did, I did walk out of my second game. Pandora. Hobby Crusher. Pandora. I played three turns. He's one of and, Pete, have, and he's one of he, Pete's people. And you he's didn't one, have he, he's didn't one have of a my partner. my old locals. You didn't have a partner to sort of hold you back, like when we were in Adepticon and we faced Pandora and oh, who was the other master we faced? That was painful as well. Oh, was that the game on the riverboard? Where we were jammed in the corner. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that was painful. Nice, nice opponents. It's just Pandora. Anyway, sorry, carry on. You went to a. You went, we went to a tournament. Oh. 
of the Guinea friendly tournament with at least two Pandora players. Hey, who came first and second, surprisingly? <laughs> Everyone else had fun. Well, they I, must I... have had fun as well, because they achieved something as well, probably. They crushed some hobbies and got some tin cups as well. Well, certificates. Oh, yes, Wayland, wasn't it? Um, it was, it was a really good little. So it was a, it was a beginner tournament at Wayland. Sixty. So it's Malifaux. Um, it was a sixty soulstone pool game, a, you know, a event. Your upgrades weren't included in the pool, so you could take what you want, um, upgrade wise. So basically, you had sixty soulstones worth of models, and you were making a forty soulstone crew. Um. Three three games, strats and schemes announced on the day. It was good, it was good fun. Yeah, nice long round times and big gaps in between. So yeah, two, chatting and a, and... two and a quarter hour rounds because it was noob friendly. Is that only three rounds? Yeah, yeah. We could have turned up late and we could have got a whole game in, Pete. I think we <laughs> did that. That's, that's the quickest I've seen you play. You showed up late and we got to finish the game. Yes, we did actually. Yeah. yeah, that was because of the um, the misinformation on the start time. But we've been through this. But we got, it had eighteen players, um, six new players. Yeah, six completely brand new. I think there was a couple who have played maybe one or two games yeah. before. Yeah, I think they had demos down at TTN and um, sort of been cajoled into coming along, but. Certainly, everyone I spoke to had a really good time. Yeah. It was a fun day. It was. First event of the year as well for you, wasn't it? Uh, it was uh, yep. First event playing for me. Because um, I went to one in Daventry at the beginning of January, but it was an odd number of players, so I s- s- stepped out. But this one I played... Uh, and I had two. I had two really good games and three really good opponents. Um, but the middle game, I just find playing against Pandora. I, I would rather just say at the beginning of the game, um, I here have a ten nil. Now can we play something else? What would you play? Well, hide the, hide the purple pass nib. <laughs> You know, play with a different. You know, give them the win, and then say, "Have you got some another master that we could play against?" And he, they'd say, "Yeah, I've got Pildora." <laughs> but um, you know, it was it, <clears throat> all three of my opponents were excellent. the real. The real thing I didn't, don't like it is I don't like about I don't like the way it makes me behave, and so I'd rather just not get in that situation. Is it like playing Wrath of Kings again? Yes. It's 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 exactly like that. I just want to flip the table. And I and I know that I'm going to do that, so I should just avoid put going in that situ- situation. And it's purely 
I don't know. It's it's purely psychological and it's all in my head. I know, but it doesn't help the situation. <laughs> me avoid it. So if anyone ever plays me at Malifaux and just wants to um, have a nice easy ten nil, just say you're playing Pandora, <laughs> and then pull out a different master. <laughs> your real master. Interesting. Nice. Don't even announce That's... Neverborn. Announce any faction, but say Pandora. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just play Pandora. Oh, you can have a 10 nil. Have you got another master? Yes, actually, I have. I've got my Bramble's crew. Just about to play. <laughs> Might but, not work. It, it is what it is. I had I, my, other two, my other two games I really enjoyed. Um against a McMorning crew and a Marcus crew. I've got to admit, Mike, I understand what you're saying about Pandora um, because I I don't feel exactly the same way, but I do feel as though I'm not equipped as a player or either with the knowledge or play style or whatever to, to overcome playing against Pandora. And I do find it... Balls. It's just like okay. Well, I'm just going to take another model. Yeah. Minute. Yeah. I'll take it's, another. It's, I'm, I'm the same. I just hate it. No matter what you seem to do, you can't get an upper hand. Yeah. And it, every time I've played, it feels exactly the same way. It, it feels as though you're being cut by paper cuts, and you're slowly <laughs> being, being slowly bleeding to death. That was the ex- that was the exact metaphor that we were using on Sunday, that in the final round, the two Pandora players played off against each other. And I said to them, I said to them, it must just be like having a ream of paper and going, here, have a paper cut. And the other one going, have a paper cut, have a paper cut. Ha ha, have you? <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, as I say, the, the, my, opponent, my opponent was lovely. It was just... Her and... I don't know, whatever mental block that I've got against her. He's a big fan of yours, where he is now. Yeah, well, now he knows who I am. That's another thing. See? We haven't talked about that because Joel's not on the show yet, though he's coming on. We can talk about Joel and his selfies when he turns I'm up. I'm your Sorry? number one fan. Yes. <laughs> Why, why have I got handcuffs on? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a good it was a good laugh, and you know as always the crowd is really nice. There was a guy who came up to me um, and said, "Are you old man Mike from the forums?" And I said, "I was." I said, "Yes," and he was saying, "I'd encourage." I love there was, you. No, there'd been a tournament a few weeks earlier um, at tabletop. And he would, he'd been on, he was on the forums, but he was nervous about going. And I said to him, I said to him on the forums, just go, you'll be fine. The, the crowd is great. Everyone's really friendly. Um, you know, that you'll be welcome with open arms. And he went to that event and he was. And so he came up, he came up to me and he, he, he just said that that bit of encouragement had been really good to make him go. And so, you know, as henchmen, that's the sort of thing that we're supposed to do, I think. Um, you know, not it's not all about doing demos and things. It's about Supporting if you can support system. people to yeah. play the game. Um, but then, 
Certain people have just given up being a henchman. Oh, look, at that seg- look at that segway. Yeah. Um, but while Pete makes his excuses, I'm, I'm going to add Joel in because he's just come home from doing his dad taxi. So what are your excuses then, Pete? Oh, being a yeah, um, like henchman. I I was for almost exactly a year um, a henchman, and it got to a point. I play at Darksphere in London, which um, is quite a big club. It's open uh, Monday to Friday all day, and there's Malifaux people. There's players in my group that play Malifaux that I've never met because they play at. 12 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon and yeah. I'm there on a Tuesday night. So it got a bit sort of, um, always playing catch-up, but I did quite a lot last year. I put on three tournaments, two leagues, and I think five henchman hardcore events and yeah. um, however many demos and whatnot. And it just got to a point this year, I thought, I can't top that unless I want to quit my job and do it full-time. Um, and I'm not going to, there's no point doing less next year and not doing as much. I thought, give someone else a chance. Someone's going to be able to do better than me. They can take it on and do the next level and sort of take it where it needs to go. Do you feel it actually stopped you playing because you were organising and demoing more? It did feel, as I say, if I was running an event one week and then... I'd talk to someone there playing a different game and then I'd end up demoing them the next week and then I'd be getting ready for another one and then we were doing one hardcore event a month. So it was sort of that maybe left one night a month where I was actually getting a game in where I thought, this isn't anything, this isn't henchman, this is just me playing. Yeah. Did you feel like a mother hen at all at any point? A lot of running around after people and um, it may have just been... I was quite hands-on as a henchman and even just sort of helping people find games and sort of just general weekly um, helping people get to tournaments and it just it never really stopped once it started once you've started doing something I used to do a thing of helping people find a game each week that just become the regular after you've done it once or twice it's then every week it's an expectation as well That's isn't it, it? Yeah. yeah so we are so we are joined by internet celebrity Mr. Joel Henry Hello, hello, everybody. Joel spoke to me. <laughs> he's, he's great. He's like a famous person off the interweb. I just, I just fainted. <laughs> I've just yeah. made a mess in my undercrackers. Hello, Mr. Henry. Welcome, hello. To, welcome to Butterfly Gamers, Mr. Henry. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Um, so, Pete, Joel, Joel, Pete. Hi, Pete. Joel. Have you actually have you two actually met? Um, I think I've met Joel. I met Joel at the second tournament I ever went to. Yeah, I didn't get a photo. Yeah, no, you don't get a photo with him. (laughs) No, so it never happened then, Pete. Did it? Never happened. Yeah, it's just a fantasy that you had. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll start charging for photographs next. (laughs) You're not going to get rich off that. I know. Oh dear. No, yeah, that's quite a while back, wasn't it, Pete? Uh, yeah, um, a year, almost a year, yeah, something like that. My first, my second event. So we're just getting caught up on why Pete is a dirty splitter and has stopped being a weird henchman. But 
but before we go on, shouldn't we, as uh, as Joel's a new host on Butterfly Gamers, shouldn't we have his gamer history? No. <laughs> Shut up, idiot. <laughs> <sighs> Why do I bother? <sighs> You've covered a matter of the same podcast, Mike. This was never going to end well. Matt's been very good. That's because I'm painting. I can't talk and paint at the same time. <laughs> have you found Nobby, though? No, I'm relying on you to find my nobby. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, is there, do you not have a worry, Pete, that no one will step up? Um, well, I, what was it, about a week ago now, I officially stepped down, and there's already one person planning a beginner-friendly event, and um, someone else is running a slow grow at the moment. Oh, that's right. They, yeah, they they knew I was going anyway. They they're running a slow grow. Um, someone else is running a tournament. So there's enough. All in all, including all the players I poached from the other clubs, uh, there's probably about thirty Malifaux players, uh, give or take, at the club. Um, so if even a couple of them decide to run something, it should still keep going. And if I have to come in and run the occasional thing, just keep it ticking over, I don't mind doing that. There's there's no pressure on it. I can just pop up when I want, run something, and then disappear again. Cool. So, for the gentle listener, if depending on how I put episodes out, you may or may not have heard a discussion between Conrad and I about um, the logistics of running the Tainal Web Club. The Tainal Web Club. <laughs> yeah. Like a Spider-Man uh, Appreciation yeah. Society. Yes. Yes. The Tainal Wargaming Club. Um, and one of the things that we talk about is in that episode is Dark Sphere. Um, where that's your main store, Pete. Yeah? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, the disparity in numbers between, you know, you just said 30 Malifaux players and when Connor and I were talking, we we're talking about six players at Tainlawn, and yeah. we sort of had we sort we sort of had a discussion about um, the fragmented nature of the London wargaming scene, and I know that Conrad wanted you wanted to talk some more about that and just the London wargaming scene in general compared with things like you know the late this latest Guild Ball tournament that sold sixty four places in a couple of days. Oop North, and you've got how many coming to Tainlands? Uh At the moment, five. So Kevin will probably be playing to make it six. Um, I said to the guys who were coming to the event, um, you know, we're not going to be able to do prize support for six people, and they all basically said, "We don't give a sh- um, we we don't give we don't care about that. We just want to play the game." Right. Um, and I've been, was contacted on, strangely enough, was contact, contacted on Sunday evening via Messenger, uh, Facebook Messenger by a guy called John Layfield, I think his name was, based in Surbiton. And he basically said, I saw, is the tournament still on? Uh, I've got to sort out whether or not I can reschedule an appointment, but I've got, you know, I could, I could come along with some mates, basically. And I said, well, blah, 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 price support. And he said, I don't care. We just want to play some more games. And I think generally when you go to an event, 
it is, that is it. You know, you are there to try and play some more games and meet some new opponents, play different factions, teams, whatever, you know, whatever the flavour of the game is, um, and generally have a good time. So it's it's refreshing to see that attitude. But then Pete and I started talking on Twitter about the word insular was used in one of our conversations, and, I, and it's something that um, I had thought of previously um, in terms of how clubs are tribal by nature anyway, so, you know, just like any social sort of gathering, social circle or whatever. But um, I know that myself and Pete, for instance, and other people who sort of end up organising and doing stuff – they they like to promote and help, and they, they essentially put themselves about a bit. Um, so when Pete was Dark Sphere was sort of starting up, I, I sort of went out there, and Pete supported other tournaments, and you know, uh, but actually trying to support the club and everything like that, it takes a bit more commitment, and not everyone can do that, you know. Dark Sphere's in a particular location. East London's in another location. Clapham's in another location. So you you start becoming... uh, Obviously, you sort of keep to that one club because that's all you know sort of thing or all you feel comfortable with or all you feel comfortable committing to sort of thing. And I think there's enough people in London to sort of have a bit bit more um, cross-fertilisation, as it were. It's definitely, you see, um, the Guild Ball, there's another tournament at Dark Sphere as well. I think they've got about 12, and sort of, if you can make it to there, you can make it to Tame Lawn. There's no, it's, it's 20 minutes, half hour extra, depending on which side you're coming, or it's closer. Yeah. And then you've got players who play Guild Ball, because in London, there's a lot of small clubs spotted about in back rooms of pubs and sort of things like that. And there's clubs that sort of... I've met Malifaux players that I've met at tournaments and said, oh, I play, you, you play about 20 minutes from me. I've never met you. I'm at a tournament. And sort of, I could, we, you could have been playing. We could have played it all week. And you're saying you've got no one to play locally because there's no one playing at your club when there's a club 20 minutes away um, with loads of players. Which, but um, that's, yeah. that's something I don't get about London because coming from up here in the beating metropolis that is Norfolk, where there is no public transport. If you want to go somewhere and see someone, you're obliged to have to drive. So, you know, it's the convenience of having all of that ability to jump on the tube or get on a, you know, a bus that comes more than once every third Wednesday. I've I've never kind of got my head around why London doesn't have more of a cohesive gaming environment. Well, maybe that cohesiveness is exactly it, Matt. Up, up when, in Western, for example, or in Norfolk, where the community is, is almost like a beacon. There is one community. This is the shiny one. This is where squigs are. Everyone sort of luckily knows that's where the one gaming shop is. Yeah? And so there's mm. one place where a community builds around. It might never fragment a good different places, but there's still one hub. London, by its very nature, doesn't have that one hub. And then communication just doesn't seem to happen. Yeah, I think yeah, I think communication is an issue, um, and I think 
publis the publicity of events is not necessarily as as easy as it could be. And that, sorry, not events, just knowing that a club is in a particular place. You know, the number of times I've had people come to to Tame Lawn and basically say, "Oh, you're just around the corner from me," or you know, "Or you're five minutes away," whatever, um, amazes me because you do a search on gaming in East London, and we'll be in the first page generally. Uh, and I would have thought that most people would try and use the internet to find a club. Well, you, that's where what I would look first of all. You are assuming common sense. Yes. Yeah, that might be where we're going wrong. Here. I mean, yeah. where, do you think? Do you think the, the, the stores have an adverse effect on the clubs because the, the stores are naturally a mecca to go and play? Um, I mean, stores, that's the, you know, because we yeah. do, here again, we don't have a store. Stores are easier to find, and you'll go into a store because not to play, and you'll go in just to pick something up, and you'll see a game being played. And it's a lot easier to get interest in the game if you see it happening there and then. As I say, Dark Spirit would be very often where you're playing, and you'll get people just wandering past, stopping to watch, who aren't playing anything. They're just coming in to buy whatever it is they're buying. Um, and it's probably easier to go in than a club because you can't just wander in a club for a look around without it feeling slightly uncomfortable and um, from experience most gamers aren't the most socially outgoing people it may be sort of just getting people through the door on clubs but um, yeah so shops probably make it harder for club um, harder for clubs but easier for gamers it sort of gives an easier focal point it's like yeah it's like it's basically a safe place for gamers. They can go in and they don't have to have the... Uh, Conversation with the, the real-life person. Look, look at the strange person over there. Whereas when you go into a club for the first time, it's it's like the going into your lo- a local pub when you're not a local. And it, the slaughtered the, lamb. The, yeah, yeah, the piano, the piano <laughs> music's going ding, 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 and then you come in and it all goes quiet and they all look at you sort of thing. But it's not like that when people come to the club, I can assure you. It's like... Hello, and who are you, and how are you? Where and you grab go? your ankles and brace yourself. Yeah. Initiation ceremony, quickly! That's your favourite bet, isn't it? <laughs> you love them initiation ceremonies. <laughs> yeah, we need to get some blue blue roll for that. I mean, the other thing that it always seems to me that London struggles with is if it's holding a tournament, is to draw people, regardless even- of who's holding it. Yeah, even, say, Tain Lawn, it wasn't that long ago, they had a tournament, was it November? Um, or might be um, just before that. And, yeah, there was people at Dark Sphere, considering most of the, t- oh, a lot of the Tain Lawn Malifaux players pop up at Dark Sphere from time to time. It all gets shared on the Facebook page. There are people at Dark Sphere who had no idea about the Tain Lawn one. Not till people are saying, oh, I'm going to that at the weekend, and they have no idea. So it's just, I think people just go, okay, this is where I go. I'm safe here. I'm happy here. Anything else I don't need to worry about. Are you implying that gamers may be socially inept and insular in nature? Yes, very, very much so. Well, that's a revelation. You heard it here first. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing about Spoons' new directional mic. It really picks up him mixing his paintbrush in the water really well. Sorry about that. 
All right, don't make a fuss. You'll, hear, on, you'll, hear, him, you'll hear him spit out in the spittoon in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, you oh. needed your bell then. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to roll to the other side of the room because I'm painting as well. So perhaps it was your water and you're just trying to blame it on me. Yeah, perhaps it was an echo. A bit of feedback from your mic onto Spoons' mic. And no, well, Mike, Mike's Mike. Mike, I'm Spoons. <laughs> Whatever's the matter with you, man? He's a buffoon. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Where's my mithril silver? <laughs> this is still going. So, so I don't know what the answer is, but... Um, because, I mean, they don't draw from out of... But they don't draw from out of London, either. Um... Uh, well, no. if we have, uh, say, we had tournament at uh, Dark Sphere. We, we won't mention the one that was on the same day as Nationals. That's a, a dark day. Um, but generally speaking, generally speaking, the Dark Sphere events, we get people from all over. Um, but the people from London very much struggle to leave London for a tournament um, because we're all lazy. But um, it does right. tend to find there's, because we had eight, tournaments in london last year so it it's very easy just to go okay well i want a full year of tournaments i can do it without ever leaving um without ever leaving london but i mean i travel i travel a lot i've been traveling for a long time and i yeah no no, i'm I'm, I'm not saying that it doesn't the tournaments don't draw people from london i'm saying that london tournaments don't tend to draw people into them now, oh yes, part, no. of, part of it is the oh, it's really expensive. But part of it is, um, and it, it is, it's going to sound strange. It's like I don't understand the tube system, or I don't like London driving. Yeah, no, or driving I'll, in I'll, London. I'll agree with that last bit. <laughs> driving in London, whenever I have done it, it's been unfun. But I guess it's because I'm not sure where I'm trying to get to. I've had, you know, I wouldn't know exactly where Ten One or Darkfall were in terms of how easy it is to drive there, since I don't get down to London often enough to know it. So I guess it's kind of the unknown. Ha, so you're one that. of the people we're talking about, Joe. Yeah, kind of am. <laughs> I, have, I have, you know, um, I think Wayland is about, of course, of, of the the um, smog con we did in Guildford a couple of years back. That's close that I've got to a tournament in London. I suppose Gil- going, going to Guildford is actually further than going to yeah um, where we are in Tainlon, definitely. Um, I've been to Tainlon. Did you win yeah, a trophy, mate? Yeah, we, we did, had. We did. Right, that's why. How that was the oh god, nearly got that nearly went out live on air. Then what, ridiculous. We smashed everybody <laughs> that got in our path. <laughs> when I say we, it was mostly me. That you would come yes, only mate. if you'd win the event. We played foreigners and everything. Yep, that was true. Andreas is... You see there, Andreas came along with his uh, friend from... Dem- yes, Denmark. Jens. Jens, yes. Yeah. What a nice chap he was. They were yeah, they're talking to foreign, though. I think they were talking about us. I think they could drink us under the table. Huh? Anyway. So, there you go. I don't know. I think there is an aversion to travelling to London because of all those things that we uh, mentioned. 
but then it it then becomes about the draw, you know, the draw of well, you must know this, Mike, from and and Joel from the events that running events that you run. As soon as you sort of build that community and that camaraderie and that clique of people or that core group of people, that pull that core group of people pull in others through word of mouth generally or or through their social media contacts or their word of mouth contacts. Uh, and I can remember back in a mock one day when John Snape ran a we ran a Hawks War Machine campaign day. So not a competitive event. Not steamroller. Well there's Should... so, there aren't such things now are there? No there aren't such things. <laughs> um and uh we got Jamie Perkins coming down from up north. We we got, we got a big cross section of people. You know, we had the Kent boys, obviously Phil Mannering and Kev and all that sort of Henry and all those guys from the Barming Club. Um, people from London, people from up north, as I said before, and it, yeah, but that was because of the draw of the people running the event as well. Um, so and that was a completely, completely different type of event. You know, it involved resources. It involved teams of factions, players playing in faction teams, going out to try and capture a particular table which had a resource on them that they needed, you know, or their home base being captured. So it was a proper campaign over a course of a weekend with a curry in the, in the middle uh, and drinking uh, and finishing it off on Sunday. You're almost saying, though, that then it's a cult of personality of T.O. Yeah, I think some of that is true. But that's not changed. I mean, you think about the folk community. And this is no disrespect to any T.O.s that aren't necessarily established. But if a relatively unknown T.O. said, I'm going to put on a story encounter weekend, nobody would go. If Joel said and has put on a story encounter event, then people go. Sometimes. Well, <laughs> well, sometimes. I'm going to yeah. put a, an event on in the middle of nowhere. You can camp in my garden. Exactly. So I think you know there is an element of that that people and it, um, you know people in the community that are known as massive blobby ego maniacs can draw people into events. I'm not that blobby. <laughs> I was going to say there's no dispute to Joel about that. <laughs> <laughs> So, but on that note, you've got Comrade Guild Ball Tournament coming up. Everyone knows Comrade. There can't be many gamers that don't know Comrade. Ah, but... you see, I think that's wrong, Pete. I actually think that's wrong because since my time as a TO, um, a few generations have gone past, you know. <laughs> it's quite funny going into when I first met um, Chrissy Tomlin, Chris Tomlin at maelstrom he knew of me only because he'd come from the fantasy battle community uh and i'd never met him but people like the marcus pitts and you know the old school wps guys had said oh yeah conrad's a good bloke blah 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 go and have a drink with him whatever um but not everyone knows you you've got to make a name first for yourself you've got to you've still got to establish yourself um in a community before you, you should never take it, never take it for granted that you're going to be known. 
Yeah, but as a TO, it shouldn't matter. No, there's lots of things that shouldn't, but they do. You might not just think this be about the TO as well. I mean, one way that I know that events get marketed up here, um, in sort of slightly north, is that as well as just putting a thread up in the word board saying, you know, here we are, this is an event on this date, that TOs will approach prominent gamers in certain clubs. Uh, well, you know, reach out to say Greg or myself or somebody else and go, Are you coming along to the event? Yeah. In, 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 and even if we're not, the very fact that we will retweet and talk about it and big it up will encourage other people to go. So and there's, a, and there's, a, there's a habit of doing that sort of thing, which kind of still builds the following by reaching out to key people and just having them pass on marketing, as it were. Yeah. And maybe do the London clubs try that approach? Um, well, my Malifaux tournament. Um, I think I would tweet about it pretty much every day, if not every other day, mm. on the Facebook every day. And in all fairness, my tournaments, I think every single one has sold out. That sounds really bad saying that. Um, but they've all sold out. And I think it's, you've just got to say every single day on and on. And I had people, we're on a face, we've got a Facebook group for the club. And I put up there almost every other day, How, are you ready for the tournament? Have you got a ticket? Are you ready? couple of days before it, I got asked if we're ha- having a tournament. I thought, you're on the Facebook. You can see it every day. <laughs> but, that, and, that, there we go. Yeah. That, that, but that is a classic example, Pete, of you being the mother hen again because you get put into that sort of community leader situation and people forget basically how to wipe their arses. You know, that's probably the... the, the Always front so, to back. Um, but they do become complacent they do become lazy as well but that, i think that's it, true of any war games club isn't it there will always be the ones that are adopt that role the ones that will push things along get things done and those that will sit back and go oh really is that happening i think we're getting the word out because if you're looking for a tournament in london and you play in london we're carrying with guild ball i know there's at least half a dozen if not 10 players at dark sphere um there's probably four or five over at ballam when i last went there um you've got however many you've got tain lawn um just outside of london you've got essex legion which i think have got at least a couple of players so that should be enough to fill a tournament even if not all of them want to play a tournament that should be enough to but it's just getting them to go do you know about it do you know about it? Do you know yeah. about it? Do you, yeah. To actually get them to keep moving. I think the other thing is, um, I believe that the Guild Ball following or tournament scene or event scene in London is still, is, is probably six months to a year behind the what's happening up north. So I think, yeah, it's going to take time why, to build. Why do, you think, why do you think that? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty bold statement. Why? We, I don't think we have as many events down south as we do up north. It follows think... along from Malifaux did the same because when I, the reason I run my first event is because there wasn't any in London. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's um, the fact that Element Games and the Outpost both had, um, you know, stocking quickly. They both had Dance Live, you know, Matt and Rich came to them and. Discuss a few of 
killed both of people who've been working on the Jamies of Old Kid and did stuff in the stores. He points the following. And the, the stores started running really on a fairly regular basis and started running up very quickly. Maybe just one of the corals quick. Did anyone else think that Joel sounded like a Dalek then? Yeah. Was it just me? Actually, you sound like Dalek now, come on. Everybody sounds like Daleks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call you back. What were we talking about? Joel was, Joel was saying about Firestorm and Element Games. Yes. Well, yeah. Outpost and Element. Outpost and Element. Yeah. yeah. How, uh, how they had um, Rich and Wox, uh, Wox and, um, and Matt Hall came to um, the stores, did days for there, started to build a following, got sort of key people involved pretty quickly and got those stores running events fast. And the community spawned out of those events. Uh, as the stores kept running them on a regular basis, and had but then, stopped. but then, but then you've—I think I said that three times. It wasn't the internet. Um, uh, you, you've got to capture. This goes back to what you were saying, Mike, as well in the previous version of this podcast um, about LGS and clubs. So, Outpost and Element are stores as well, with gaming areas attached. Mm-hmm. So, and also going back to the gamer feeling more comfortable in the game game shop environment, potentially, and until they've broken into the social environment that is the club where they have to make a bit more effort. Yeah, but that, I, I don't see how that explains the disparity between events down south and events up north, if you're saying that there is one. We're not as friendly down south. We don't like talking to each other. That's just south of the river, though, isn't it? There's that fear of getting mugged if you're in London. But there's more of a fear of getting mugged in Manchester. Have you been to to the Northwest Gaming Centre? No. Well, you have. Have I? Haven't you? No. Oh, no, you weren't with us. That was Peter. Yeah. Scrim up north. What do I go up there for? It's bad enough when I go to York. That's Stockport, isn't it? It is Stockport. See, I've not been there either yet. Have you not? Nope. You can tell, by the way, I haven't contracted some random disease. I was going to say, you haven't got cholera, so... (laughs) No, it is not... It's not a nice environment. What, the north? (laughs) No. (laughs) Northwest, the Northwest Gaming Centre. I mean, you know, the, you really do fear for your life when you go in the toilets. <laughs> there's, there's a post. There's a post on Facebook that I saw earlier today where they're talking about um, 
whether they're going to expand this 64-player tournament. The Guildhall one up north. Yeah. And one of the questions on there is, are they going to sort out the fire, the fire hazard and the toilets? And that's a perennial question for that in, that in place. Yeah, I mean, it's something that comes up every year when they run the Hawks War Machine Nationals there. Um, I believe they had some... I believe the fire escape had passed its inspection. The urinals last year were both functioning. Really? All weekend. Um, They had various forms of uh, kitchen or paper towels, essentially, to wipe your hands on or use when you wash your hands in the toilet. Um, And there were tetanus shots available on the door. (laughs) Not sure about that. Um, But yes, it's... It's It's not a very nice place, is it? It's a functional venue. There you go. Is the way I would... uh, yeah, I wouldn't even say it's it's functional because of the toilet situation. Okay. It's a venue. It's a venue. There you go. It has space. <laughs> Jumping back to what we were saying earlier, it's a. I'm assuming it's a focal point. I'm assuming there aren't lots of little clubs peppered around it, which is what you get. I don't. I don't play anywhere other than London, so I don't know how different it is. But in London, you've got. Um, a good seven or eight clubs, if you just want to stay within sort of the tube system. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, so it, it's definitely it's your little tiny group, so you haven't got one big community until it builds up, until you, anything gets a bit of steam going. You haven't got a community for any tournaments, because if you've just got you and your mate playing Guild Ball at a club, you're not going to run a tournament because it's just the two of you. Yeah. You've got to and build the, up and up and up. And the travelling then that becomes an issue. So to get from me to Clapham is a good hour. Yeah. Uh, that's either driving or travelling and travelling by public transport, which isn't a lot of time. Um, but it's it becomes a hassle travelling across London for... Reasons like parking uh, or carrying your stuff along on the tube or whatever, you know, it just all becomes a, it, it, it becomes something that you don't necessarily want to do because you just want to. You just want to play games. Do uh, something maybe, else, yeah. Maybe that's the thing then. I mean, because cause we there was a don't have a, sorry, don't have a choice. Yeah, if we want a game, we travel forty minutes an hour. Yeah, yeah, we have to do that, so we all do it, and we don't complain about it because we just do it. Because that's how we get games. If you guys have got games very close, yeah, why bother travelling a field? There's a natural resistance to it because you don't need to do it to get your games. Yeah, exactly. You're not yeah. used to doing it. I mean, I, I used to love coming down to Darts here because it was a it's a night out. Of, it's unfortunately clashes with the 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 cinema night that uh, we quite often go to go on. I used to go to Chelmsford every now and then as well. Uh, I think they are also on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. They're a Wednesday. Um, but yeah, Harlow is another club, which is yep. not, not really very far. That yep. is probably better for me to drive to than the uh, same as Chelmsford. Yeah, there's um, one in, new one in Hornchurch as well, I think. Yep. But it's, 
cross. Cross, no, yeah. Quite relaxed. Which is <laughs> literally like two, one or two tube stops from Darksphere. Yep. And they're on the same night as well, and that's enough. Both of them full of gamers on the same night, ten minutes from each other. I mean, Cross used Darksphere every now and then. That's it. When, yeah, when they can't use the hub room. Yeah. It's interesting. But you're right, there is no sort of central mass, you know, there isn't a London gamers, well, they they used to be, actually. Uh, There isn't a, you know, a general London club as such. Yeah, and then I suppose you've got the older clubs as well, things like... um, South London Warlords. I was going to say Warlords, yeah. Did anyone actually used to have one, say, like a London Club network? And actually try and coordinate and talk to all these there's clubs that get to club? one for... There's a Facebook group for Warhammer Fantasy, um, if anyone's still playing that, which I believe <laughs> sort of gets people together, gives people to find other clubs and jump in clubs. There's... I sort of run a one called Weird Capital, which is for all the... Malifaux clubs in and around London, but it just basically, I think now is if there's a tournament coming up, it's put on there, and that's about it. You don't you find a game because you find a game at your own club, but it just becomes sort of a if there's a tournament coming up near London, it gets thrown on there for everyone to see. It's a good point though, but what one one thing I've recently, well, in the last year, we've always been a GCN club, uh, Taylor. And the GCN, the GCN Gaming Club Network. Um, it was something that was formed oh, a good many years ago, I think. Independently, but GW Games Workshop used to support them. Um, they're truly independent now. Games Workshop aren't really that interested in it anymore. Um, but they have gone on to social media. So it's potentially a good way of trying to network with them to find out other clubs there as well, you know, other keep making it be more cohesive as such. It's just, it's definitely a, an issue, I think, though. Do you think it's an issue that has always been there, though? Uh, yes. So is it an insolvable issue? I don't know if anyone's tried to solve it. I think now we've you've got so much Facebook, Twitter, all it's it's definitely the solution's there. It's just someone's got to put the work in to sort of keep pushing well, it I guess, forward. I guess and, the difference now is a lot of the communities now are probably more system based. So actually, as you say, that sort of Malifaux stuff will, to a degree, cross pollinate from a tournament point of view, but there isn't necessarily the Back in the olden days, when Conrad was young, when it was all WRG rules and stuff like that, um, before the internet, if you remember that far back, things like that were born more of necessity because we there wasn't there wasn't the sort of glut of different systems really. I think that's probably changed the world of gaming a little bit as well. Is there are clubs that are purely purely based around a single system. There yeah. will be, you know, a Warhammer club, a War Machine club, a Malifaux club. I mean, those those are out there and they exist. Where do they? Oh, definitely. You, I mean, certainly with the, the sort of the Games Workshop side of things, 
I'm, and I've been to clubs where actually you try and introduce a new system and, and you pardon the pun, you're burned as a heretic. No, they don't want that. That all they want to do is play their their tried and trusted system, which you know, obviously, I didn't stay in those clubs for long because that's they hated the, you. Well, and they <laughs> they barely got to know me. In fairness, it, sometimes it takes a long time for people to hate me. Really, but, <laughs> I hated you as soon as I met you. Yes, you're a twat. Um, but actually, our type of gamers that are interested in playing more than one system. I still think that in some clubs there is a resistance to both new gamers and new systems. I don't know where I've gone with that. Probably round in a circle, but I know what I meant. Oh, it's, it's true that you will get, I think, a cross. I, don't think, I haven't been to cross yet, considering it's so close to where I play, but cross, I think, is almost all war machine now. It's predominantly a war machine club, yes. Because and, and, we sort of stole their Malifaux players over into Darksphere, and they... Yeah, so they just play, and a lot of the War Machine players from Darksphere went over there, so we sort of traded off. But yeah, you definitely get a, a focus. But there's a classic example of, of what what you said, Matt. You know, uh, yeah. there were... Driven by cross, system rather than the club. Yes, there were cross players who would who may may well have wanted to play Malifaux more, and so they felt more comfortable and at ease, and it was more accessible to them playing at Darksphere. As um, sort of prices have gone up, and you know over the last few years the economy squeezed a little bit, do you think it's less easy for people to have multiple systems going? So they do tend to move to one place and stay there? No. No. Because hmm? I, think, I think if you are a multi-system player, the chances are that the same figures will do four or five different games. Hmm. But, I mean, there's, there's also maybe not a monetary investment. People like, you know, you guys, myself, you know, we've got maybe a little bit more and more time to try and do things like that. We have the history of having lots of models, maybe, that allows us to do that. But if you, you know, only play one game system, you know, you look at the system, you might go, oh my god, do I have to spend how much money to get in? And you just don't. Well, I okay. think that, that, that comes back to the strength of what the scene is at wherever you're playing. I think, you know, there is a lot to be said about, you know, enthusiastic demoing and people's natural bent to want to play something. And, you know, that even then goes back to something that we discussed, discussed on daily many a time about what influences you, you know, what are your films that you like, what are the books you like to read, and, you know, is there some way of getting that enjoyment, that excitement of that kind of genre onto a table? Yeah. In, in theory, I, I guess, you know, with the expansion of media, there should be more of those gamers. Because, you know, people... Some I, I work with a person who is proud about the fact he has never read a real book. I mean, that's shameful. The guy's in his 30s, and he's never read an actual book. Whereas for gamers, I, I think we are cleverer than stupid ginger gym monkeys. Um, <laughs> he's never going to hear this, I guess. Um, no, he thinks it's strange that I own more than one Star He thinks it's strange I own a Star Wars T-shirt. He would much rather drink lager than watch football. It's one of those. A muggle. I can pretty um, much hear the knuckles dragging across the floor as we speak. Oh, yeah. Um, but 
generally, I would say, and it is a generalisation, games are a bit more open to more media. So, you know, we tend to read books and watch films and things like that. So I think there is the potential for more stimulus. I think, going on what you're saying, Joel, um, that there is possibly an element of truth, but by our very nature, we will find a way of trying to... um, get involved in other systems. Um, <laughs> if only to buy more nice looking shiny. Exactly right. Even if it's just as a, from a collecting point of view, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I know that game system. I've never played it, but, um, got well, some that model looks nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I found at Taylor is the, f- is that games die. They, well, they either come and go or they don't, they die or never get off the ground because you don't have, the player base to support it. So I think over the years we've, the, the committee has basically decided that you need probably about four players to, uh, certainly in the cl- our club environment for a game to sort of kind of survive at least or have a chance of surviving. Because yeah. um, if it's not being played regularly or you can't get a regular opponent, then clearly it's just going to go into that, into the garage. The garage of storage. Mm. The garage of Nobby. <laughs> Are we going to explain Nobby? Nobby is a, is a dwarf. Nobby is a dwarf. Um, before we started recording, Mike and I were discussing a number of things in the old rambly way, much as you've become accustomed to in the last however long we've been recording. Um, and somehow we started talking about the cost of figures. Um, oh, it's the Kickstarter. It was the Oath, it was the, uh, the Oath Sworn Kickstarter. Um, which sounds like very good value and is doing very well at the moment. Um, but I'm, you know, three pound a figure. We said, oh, well, that's not bad. And then I made comment of remembering the olden days where, you know, you used to bulk at paying a pound a figure, to which we talked about. Well, I remember buying a packet of Citadel Dwarves for 50p. Well, two, uh, was it? Five pounds 55. To which I then made reference of the first figure that I ever painted was indeed one of those Citadel Imperial Dwarves, and it was the one called Nobby. Hence, Nobby the Dwarf. Um, and now I'm seeking Nobby the Dwarf in order to paint him and put him in a box frame and put him on my wall alongside some of my other geeky sh- stuff that I've collected that is going up on the walls. I thought you were going to put a necklace around him and... Hang him round your neck. No, because I don't do jewellery. First, first model I ever tried to paint was an old metal snotwing pump wagon. Oh, on what the double decker thing? Yeah, yeah. I bought that when I was a kid. Um, I didn't play the game at all. I just thought it looked cool. I wanted to have a go at it. Yeah. Get a ball with the double deckers. That was a frustrating model to assemble. <laughs> yeah, it's like a four-poster bed combined with a. Um, twelve snotlings on it, yeah. Twelve snotlings and, and, and a roaring pin with spikes in it. Yeah, kind of a combine harvester. I liked it. Very they, were, they were mental on the board. Yeah. In the game rather. Mm. They were. I say again all these references are lost on me as I'm I'm very new to all this. Grown ups are talking. I'm young and new. <laughs> and nubile. Um and pert. God. Pete, you have to start them off, mate. Somebody has to. 
All right, shall we move on? Yeah, yeah let's, move, let's move on. Have you, have you finished talking about... Rubbish Londoners. Londoners. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you finished, Pete? Uh, yeah, I finished. You might want to plug your tournament-y type thing that's coming up. Just what I don't know when this is going out, but it might... Uh, well, it's, 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 it's the end of this off. week, so uh, it's probably, probably not going to come out this week. You can say what a success it was in advance, then. Uh, well, yeah. Both people, people really enjoyed fun. it. Yeah, both people enjoyed it immensely. The big decision was whether to pull it or not, but I've decided for the sake of the people who have bought tickets and that, that you know, like I said earlier, that they just want to play the game, that we're going to run it. That's right. that. Perhaps the next one will double in size or add at least. Yeah, even if, how many people have you got coming? Uh, five, six? Yeah. If they all go and get their mate to come and play the next time that's doubled and then on on and on and on it can only yeah, grow it's what we it, to be fair that's what we've done with the Malifaux scene at um tabletop <laughs> yep you know that's yep. what that's the whole point of the showdown series that we do there is to grow tabletop as a Malifaux venue cool man. that's coming out quick <laughs> what <laughs> polystyrene cement it's like gushing out. Don't you, don't you use one with a brush? No, I use one with the uh, the very, very small... Oh, cost. can't get on with that one. Oh, the needle sort of one. Yeah. Yeah, they're annoying. I like it, but... Uh, I use a brush. Uh, anyway, yes. No, it's... It, it, it's it's, it's a, going to be... It's going to take a year um, to build... And who's going to do it? Are you going to put the effort in, Conrad? I'm going to try and put some effort in. Um, I'm supporting, strangely enough, Pete, deja vu, I'm supporting a guy called Matthew Burns, based out of Darksphere as well, who's trying to grow the Gilball community. Him and um, James, I think it is. So we're in touch, um, you know, and it's going to be very much the same way that I I work with you, Pete, in terms of anything anything you need, if you need any help, uh, try and support each other and carry on that way. So um, I just wanted to say thank you to Liam Hall, who on Twitter said, have you got no prizes for this event? Um, And I said, well, there's only six people and all they want to do is play. So I've decided against the (coughs) prize support. Um, and he said, I'll bung some stuff in the post. So that's really nice. And that just shows you what, you know, the gaming community is like at the end of the day. So I'll be doing a staged approach next time. If we get 10 players, we'll do this. If we get 12 players, we'll do this. If we get 16 players, we might have more prizes sort of thing, you know. Excellent. Old war, old... Um, War Machine styly, basically. Old habits die hard. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's good. Now, one of us has an event coming up this weekend. Yes, that would be me. In fact, two events, three events coming up this weekend. Yeah. That's why you've got no players, Conrad, because internet celebrity Joel's running one. Oh, Joel, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> three events. In two days, run by one bloke who is going to probably drive himself insane doing that. Uh, I didn't go insane last year. Yes, no, you survived, didn't you? But you had help. <laughs> he has grown another head, though. So, yes, 
it is the Malfoy Masters this coming weekend. It is. Uh, so and the uh, corresponding uh, side events, the yeah. League of Extraordinary Henchmen, which is two one-day single events, uh, and well, the Masters runs as a as a six-game event over the weekend. Mm. In the next room. So are you all set? Pretty much. Uh, got the score sheets printed off today. Printed off copies of the new gaining grounds for everyone at LEOH. Um, so if we're using that now. Um, scheme pools are up for those events. Masters will be flipped on the day in front of them all. Um, so they get no heads up at all. Um, and yes, spreadsheet, I got that, uh, a new tweak spreadsheet working whilst this, this evening. So it's all nice and I just type in WLOD into something. It works everything out for me now. And one click of a button, it filters everyone into scoring brackets. I've run tests through that, so that's okay. So, yeah, pretty much there. Tables are getting brought by various people. Just got to do the setup now and uh, and actually run the thing. So, yeah, it seems to be in a good place at the moment. I've learned some lessons from previous events. Excellent. Oh, that's really that's really good. Yeah, we've uh, we're doing pretty well on sales, sir. Thanks to Bendy Boards for hosting the tickets on that, by the way. But um, um, yeah, um, it's who's, who's that? <laughs> BendyBoards.co.uk. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Who hasn't? Uh, <laughs> um, no, well, all um, the pe- loads of people at the tournament last weekend. What? No, it was because it was new. There was newbies. They hadn't heard of BendyBoards.co.uk. Fortunately. I had my dedicated team of helpers, i.e. everyone who wasn't a newbie, <laughs> who was just plugging away. Um, good for Like, good. Les, Peter was plugging away. Um, it was excellent. I must, start, I must start taking stock to those sorts of events. I'll tell you what, if you just took things like the card caddies or the, uh, um, you know, sort of the turn, deck turn counters, stuff, turn counters yeah, yeah, you'd rob in Yeah. I should those do. those momentum trackers, you know, every time I take one to a guild ball event, they, I get lots of uh, inquiries out of them. Oh, we've got the new guild ball trackers now. I saw. You've got some like generic Malifaux packs as well, haven't you? Yeah, there's a Malifaux starter pack that I have. Yeah, so that's the sort of thing where it's worthwhile carrying around, probably. Yeah, I should have some that I just put in the car. It's all about just being organised. Why don't you just get Wayland to stock them? Because uh, I can't. I've got an exclusivity deal with someone else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but thanks for bringing it up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to, to sort of seeing everyone this weekend. Shame you guys aren't there. Oh, I'm going to the skill ball event. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just see that flying pig in a minute. We're uh, we're running Wrath of Kings as well. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> oh, it's gonna be. I'm gonna have an awesome weekend. Any relic knights? You can jump in on that as well. <laughs> and then we're, then we're gonna have this like this this who can beat Pandora round of Malifaux, drunken round of Malifaux. Nice. But I think Mike will be able to have a hammer for that. Thank you. What about Double, for Wrath of Kings? Doubles event. You have to face double Pandora, Mike. Wrath of Kings will give you a blowtorch <laughs> or a bottle of acetate. Even. Does anyone play Wrath of Kings? Even I intend people, to this even, year. I've already said that. Yeah, I know, but even the people who played Wrath of, who were all excited on the Facebook groups don't play it now. 
Who was I speaking? Who was I speaking to? I found a use for the models for it, though. Oh, I've used. I'm using the models in other places. Who was I speaking to? Oh, I was the Pope. No, I was speaking to someone. Julian Cleary, Rick Priestley, Ben Kerr, Barbar Blacksheep, Barbara Windsor. I can't remember who I was talking to. Duke of York. But they were saying that they had been... Kate Middleton. Shut up. (laughs) Piggy in the middle. Rihanna. Miss Piggy. Okay. Bored now. Uh. Nicholas Witchell. (laughs) I know who it was now. Who was it? You see, it was worth doing all those names just for that. Prepare the clang. No, no, well, not yet. Possibly a future clang. I was talking I was talking to Mark Brown from Paranoid Miniatures. Clang. Um he dropped by the house this afternoon. For a blowjob. Um, and we were talk- we were talking about um, he was getting caught up, and he actually said that he thought that episode one of Butterfly Gamers was really good. Matt, yes, it was. So he was being nice to you. So I think you should apologise. Why? I've not insulted him. I've insulted you. Apologise. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> He's a very nice man. Great game. Looking forward to seeing him at salute. <laughs> so we were. T- so he was he was dropping off some lovely swag for uh, Dafcon. And we were talking, and he was saying he was talking about we were talking about Wrath of Kings, and he was saying that it was his biggest disappointment of last year as well. That he and his group wanted to love it, and just for exactly, ex- fortunately, for exactly the same reasons that I didn't like it, the lack of interactivity between the players. Yeah. So I felt vindicated. Violated. Vindicated. All right. Poos? I'm the one who does the violating. Show me on the doll where he touched you. Here, 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 and here. Excellent. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> where were we talking about? Well, we were talking about Joel's event. Yeah. We are talking about who you talk to. Somebody yeah, talked. we've done that. I've done that bit now. It was Mark from Paranoid Miniatures. I was future clanging. Nicholas Whittenshaw was. No, it was Mark was from Paranoid Miniatures. Oh, okay. I was listening to the story. Thank you. Whose go- who's game is coming out soon? Mythos. It's coming out? Yes. So you better get this party started. No, that's coming out. Yes, it's coming out It's coming out in April. Woohoo! This year? Yes. Yes, April. That'll be around salute time then. Almost exactly to the day it will be around. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange coincidence. But, um, yeah, so that was that was good. Um, thank you to Mark for dropping that stuff off. For uh... he's a very nice man. He is because yeah. And Nicholas Winchell, you shouldn't should have dropped the stuff off. But Mark did it for you. Yeah, Who's him as Winchell? well. Is that Nicholas Winchell's Win- brother? No, the, I was talking about the Winchell factor tonight. Because oh. if you're a Defcon, um, Defcon, v- a Defcon <laughs> VIP ticket holder, you get to meet Nicholas Winchell. Winchell. I'm going to so hurt you. <laughs> you get a lovely um, Sea Queen miniature from Paranoid Miniatures. Is it shiny? No, but it's were, it, they were selling them at Salute last year for about a tenner. You've missed the Sea Queen. That, that model is large and nice. It's a sea lovely Queen. model. 
Shiny. Sequin. It was the sequins sequ- are shiny. Yeah, but I said sequin. Sounded like sequin. No, it might have done to your full of wax ears. Not full of wax, I'd have burned that on the fire. <laughs> what, because you're so desperate for heat? Not cold, though. It was very chilly at the weekend. Oh, we could talk about that. Oh, yeah, we played game, didn't we? Did we? We well, put some things on the table, then you took all yours have we off. Fi- have we finished? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a normal standard of you two playing a game. No, we haven't finished. We haven't finished with Joel, because the problem is this stupid diversion that we ended up going on has completely ruined my excellent segue, where we were going to talk about Gaining Grounds 2016. Well, Dad, we could still do it. it could, we can still okay. do it, Dad. Right, we, can, right. we can bring it back. Okay, bring yeah. it back. Bring it back, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Wibble, wibble. Anyway, Joel, Joel what, 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 what rules pack are you using on the weekend, Joel? Well, it depends what event you're talking about. The one we're gaining in ground 16. <laughs> 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 you're really glad you're doing this, aren't you, Peter? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying being in the middle of it instead of just listening. <laughs> feel, feel free to interject at any point, Pete. There's Please. something special about watching a car crash, isn't there, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Tell us uh, about the... your event that you're using Gaining Ground 16 for, Joel. <laughs> the week events, the week events, it's running horsemen. Uh, horsemen? Horsemen? Horsemen, <laughs> horsemen <laughs> of the apocalypse. <laughs> and they're off. <laughs> Wonder what the funny smell really was. Grand, gaining Ground 2016, Gaining Ground 2016, Gaining Ground 2016, Oh, here comes Pandora, here comes Pandora, and everyone's left the room. <laughs> yes, the side events are using the new Gaining Ground schemes from 2016. Oh, is there a new Gaining Ground 16 now? It is. Let's talk about that, then. Let's talk about idea. that, baby. Well, that's very clever. Oh, I've got to go and find the PDF now. Oh, I've got to, have to put my brush down and... Make my screen come up. I I actually read this because some of the guys at the club played it. Matt Matt Cole and Des played sixteen on at the club on Sunday, so I got to read some of the stuff. Yeah, we were been playing at the club um, as well this week. And I have to say, generally, I like it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things in it. Um, in terms of tightening up some of the wording in the actual event, things about sportsmanship, things about public information. Touching your deck. Touching your deck. There's lots of things there that are very... I almost wish they didn't have to be there. Yeah. Is that about big gamers? Probably. Mm, Uh, Some of the the recent posts on the uh, forums about people doing things in particular ways. I mean, we don't have a huge problem with this in the UK, mm. but gamers of this nature exist, as I've encountered over the course of the last year. And we've My spoken old... many times about the scene gets bigger, the propensity for dickmanship is greater. I mean, where, where did that whole bit of on tracking come in? Oh. Was that there in 15? Because no. I don't think it was, was it? No, no, no that's no, so there was... There was... Oh, I know where it's come from because I've seen the tweets about it. I'm not, oh, I don't. But, I but don't there was read. Mucho debate about it in the henchman section as well. Oh, 
the amount of people who want is a prescription who wanted the amount of henchmen who wanted to be told by a games company that this is the way that they should enforce tracking in the games that they run grow a pair yes just tell them how it is this is the to you don't need a rules pack to back your foot you can you manage to do it yourself there's a bit of rules pack that says the to what the to says goes covered was there an intent for of was the intent of your opponent essentially to hide that information? Yes, all right, you're disqualified. You're not playing. This game goes to your to them because that's cheating, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I, I I understand why they've done it. I can see it's it's a it's something that some people need because of the competitive nature of or the competitive element part of the game uh, but I don't see Malifaux as being that ultra ultra competitive I, I, that's, that's because that's the way I play it no it's not it uh, could be it could be Whether well, I don't think I'd want it to ever be that way no, no but, but this goes back to the whole rankings conversations again, though, isn't it? About the reason that people play games. Oh, my microphone's over there. The whole reason people play games. We did hear you. Okay. Good microphone, isn't it? It was, it was nice and quiet. It was lovely. Sorry about that. That was. Oh, funny. God. Oh. Don't do that. I've got a twinge then. In my heart. <laughs> I, it just makes me sad, yeah. annoyed. Yeah. Think about Pandora. Tired. Both, all of the, all of the above. Um, that these things need to be spelled out. And I know that I'm being naive. And yes, the people who go, you know, I told you that this would happen and stuff. And you know, people have said to me that they, you know, have said, "Oh, you'll have to have this sort of thing." And I went. I, in my blind faith in humanity, I went, no, no, no. And they were right, and I was wrong. But I find it very, very sad that this has to, that this sort of thing has to be spelled out. I agree. The thing is, you know, let's try and put a slightly more positive bit on it. You know, yeah, it's, it's been spelled out in the document. Yeah, I don't think the fact that it's been written down or not written down in Gaming Grounds will change one iota how... <laughs> The majority of the UK Marvel community conducts itself. I, don't think I it agree. Change, I, agree. I, don't think, I don't think it will change how the world community conducts itself. It will. It will change it for that one or two people, Dick. that minority that exists in any Dick's. any environment, any place. You know. But it, no, it won't. That's the thing. If the people who the people that this you know when we're we're specifically talking about the tracking stuff here. The people that, that pa- those paragraphs are aimed at are the people who were fudging their tracking, you know, fudging... They were abusing the... it, let's just say it. Well, they were abusing it. Yeah. They're they still going to until their TOs grow a pair. Or until their opponent turns around and says, yeah, turn, says, hold on, wasn't that? And then calls the TO over. But then, but then, the, t- but then the TO has to grow a pair. The the TOs have to be strong enough to cut out that sort of behaviour. Now, 
there have been situations in the UK where players, there have been undercurrents against particular players that they are cheating. Okay? Now, I'm not sure how many people listen to this know this, but as a TO group, and there are, you know, there are several of us who organize quite a few events, we have had quiet chats with those players. We've taken them aside and we've had a conversation. And the conversation has basically gone. There are a lot of there are people who are saying that they are unhappy with you the way you do this, that, the other. You know, sloppy movement, um, manipulating the deck, um, failing slow, to record stuff properly. Slow play. Sorry, sharing public slow information. Play. Slow play, public information. We have ta- we as a TO group have taken those players aside, and those players are still all in the community. They're yeah. still all playing it. No one's had a hissy fit and gone, send you, and walked off. They are all still playing in the community. And in all of the cases that <clears throat> I can think of off the top of my head, those complaints have ceased. Yeah, because the behavior of those players has improved. Yeah, or they've tightened up the thing, or they've made an effort. Yeah, and that's what that's what I mean about the TOs growing a pair. All you have to do... You, it's not pleasant having to have a conversation with another player. Yeah, but, it's, you know, it's for the greater good. Up, it's what you, well, it's what you sign up for being a TO. Well, yeah. you, you, it's not what you sign up for, but you are... There is an expect... Well, there should be an expectation that you're, you are going to do that. Because for the greater good, as it were. Otherwise... It will turn out that at some point conflict will happen and you'll have to deal with an e- even uglier situation at that point. Yes. I mean, I know someone who you know pays money for a ticket to go to an event. I would expect the TO to police the event as necessary. Yeah. That's part of what they're getting paid for, as it were. They don't know that they're actually getting paid, but you know what I mean. It's, every, it's, it's taking the expectation, a isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's the expectation for of being a TO. Yeah, well, it's the responsibility you have if you're going to run an event is yeah. to be prepared as well as the plaudits to have to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah, not so, really many so I find it I find it sad that we've had that we've you know that we've got to the point where this has to happen. And if, but then I find other pieces of you know I mean this I organised the nationals for Malifaux. It's the biggest tournament in the world. Malifaux tournament. Malifaux, sorry, biggest Malifaux tournament in the world. Um, I just ignore huge chunks of this document. Yeah, and I, I have done and will, will do for events I continue to run. I mean, oh, I look, I'm looking at a line now. Proxy models are not allowed in M2E tournaments. Well, in my tournaments, proxy models are positively encouraged. Yeah, <laughs> same, yeah. yeah. I, you, you, you know me, you know I love building and running proxy crews. Yeah. As long as you're not taking the Michael, yes, yeah, um, then go ahead. Ah, that's what I wanted. Sorry. I don't know if this is more. If you've got, I don't know. It doesn't happen as much here, but if you've got one big event, so everyone knows what they're coming in for. Don't know how many people who go to nationals. It's their only. If it's their only event it gives them something to sort of come in with and it's, it's something to know, okay, this is what I can and can't do. Even if you're not going to enforce to the letter on the day, it gives them something to say, okay, this is definitely a no. 
anything else, check with your TO and you can go from there. Yeah. In fairness, that should be in the rules pack anyway. You know, that declaration should be, you know, this this is, I'm running gaining ground 16, all rules apply, or, you know, running gaining grounds, all the, but this rule, you know, the proxy rule is not in place, you, you know, bring your proxies. So in the individual event rules pack, you can cover that. Um, there is no obligation that you have to use every single element of it. I think there are bits in it, you know, the, the unwritten proxy rule of you can't use another Malifaux model to represent something else that's already a Malifaux model. I think that's a sound rule, and it prevents uh, confusion. confusion. Mm. However, especially with old people, if if that model is converted and your opponent is happy and is not going to get confused, then to my mind, then that's a call you make. And if the, if if your opponent says, well. I'm not too keen on that. Then you have the original or alternative model in play. Well, I, run into, I do run into that when I'm using my morning crew because I use um, guild <coughs> autopsies. I, yeah. well, I use guild guard painted as, zom- as zombies as um, guild autopsies. Now, fortunately for me, a guild guard is exactly the same cost as a guild autopsy, and um, the way I run at morning, Largely I can, t- I can take purpose. either. So if yeah. my opponent objects, then they just become guild guards. Easy enough. I mean, but I, I mean, I do, I do, you know, I do do that. But I will switch as my as my opponent wants. But anyway, enough about the bad things or the, the bad good things, things. The good things schemes. They have changed the schemes. Yeah. Have they? Completely. Yes. I did know that really. Good. <laughs> And I've got to say, I think in general for the better. I've I genuinely not read any of it, so I'm now going to re- start reading them. First, first thing for you, Matt. Then nothing reveals anymore. Eh, what? Where? What? Nothing gets revealed at the start of the game. All schemes start hidden. Which changes the nature of the game in some ways. It stops certain easy scores. It um, means you have to be on your toes and be aware your opponent may have taken any of the five. Yeah. Which is going to certainly be slightly more testing in certain games. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we should just go through them, actually. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead, yeah. So, line in, the sand, line in the sand is gone. Yep. Replaced by Convict Weber. Yeah. Uh, which is basically, if you have three scheme markers within two inches of the centre line of the board, and there aren't enemy models next to them, then you can score points. And you reveal it as soon as you start scoring points. I think I think the big difference as well, and you'll find that a lot with all of these schemes, is that. It says at the end of every turn after the first, if this crew has at least three ski markers within two inches. So you can score a VP during the game. You don't have to wait till the end yeah. of the game. And that uh, they've changed that in many of the schemes. Yes. Um, do these, uh, just remember, to remind me off the top of the head for Convict Wear, but do these markers have to not be within two inches of each other as well? Yes. Yeah, so you have to spread them out. So there's no quick. There's no. There's no Trixies. Mm. Yeah. Or um, Shen Wong's boy markers around the stacking them. 
Yeah. And interestingly, the last paragraph, these scheme markers may still be used to score VP from other schemes during turns in which they are not used to score VP for convict labour. Yeah. So you've got a great chance of, of setting up some of the bluffs here. Yeah. Uh, they'll combine well with some of the other schemes as well. Are, are, you, are you trying convict labour or are you setting up for detonate charges? Yeah. Or set up? Yeah. Setup's the perfect one, which we get to it because you know to block convict labour, you have to move close to these markers. Mm-hmm. But if you move close, you might be wandering into setup. Okay, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, and so then distract gets replaced by take prisoner. Yay! Wolf take prisoner. Mm-hmm. Never saw a problem with it. Um, I know people think it's difficult, but I used to hate distract. So this is a scheme I might actually like to take, so I'm happy with that one. I think Distract was one of those schemes, if you did decide to take it and you were confident of executing it, then your opponent would basically just give you the three. Yep, agreed. Because it was, it was once you started putting distracted models on, then they would go, you know what, it's Fair enough. so much effort to take them off. Yep. And then we get on to the masks which is exhaust their forces now i still find this one very confusing um it's pretty wordy yes <laughs> um and i think you're gonna have to you know you might find in games you're having to keep track of what hasn't hasn't activated yeah. a bit more. yeah um, now so questions there are some things that enable interact actions to get taken at one less yeah, Shenlong can do that. Now, is it one Cherub. less, or is it take a one interaction as a zero? It's that second one. Yeah. Right, okay, so so the two action is always going to be a two action. Yeah, well, no, Cherub can no. make a two action take of the one. Yeah, Hoffman can do the same with one of his upgrades as well. Yeah. Right. Can make a, it makes a two, a one, and a one, a zero. Okay. So for some schemes, for some crews then, this was, becomes a lot easier. Otherwise, it's just a one action. Well, not necessarily. It's a two-action if the opponent hasn't activated. Yeah. No, it's a two-action if they have activated. Yeah. And one-action if they haven't. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I see what you mean. Already I'm confused and I've read it twice. Yes. If, <laughs> if your target for your interact has already activated, activated. it's a two. two. If they haven't activated, it's a one. And then right. they get a condition. Yeah. Um, Exhausted. Shake it off. Which can't be removed by anything else. So no, having Johan go aha and having it shaken off, and it's no abilities either. So um, it, there's a few loopholes with other things that could get away with it, and they can't either. Dreamers burying and stuff. Um, the only ones I think can avoid is still the nihilists, Hamlin and Nix, who simply can refuse to take the condition in the first place. Yeah. Is that an ability though? Or can yeah, but then you can't. Then, you can't, can't it. put it on yeah. them, so yeah. Um, but yes, it's um, it's a try, it's an attempted fix for cursed object to make it slightly more difficult. Yeah, yeah. it makes chatty very interesting. Yeah, and it negates some of the value in Don't Mind Me as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then we move on to um, the replacement for assassinate. Which I quite like, actually. Which I know, which I know by a slightly more um, earthy name. Yes. Um, it's hunting party. <laughs> no, Sniggers. 
That's more than makes them suffer, actually, actually, isn't it? More than assassinate. Yeah, but it's it's the replacement for assassinate because that in was the crow, on, yeah. that was on a crow. Yeah. Uh, which is basically, if you kill an enemy minion or peon by one with one of your enforcers or henchmen. Yeah. yeah. So I, li- master, I like this one. Your master is irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely love this scheme. I've I've run this a couple of times now, taken it, and um, I really like how it plays out and how it changes crew builds. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. lot. Yeah. Um, never failed to score three points from it yet, though, we'll say. I've only played it the once, but I scored three points with it as well. Pete, have you uh, played any of the new schemes yet? I've not played any of them yet. They um, they came out... Um, the night they came out, we were a group of us were in the pub, and it very quickly descended from having a night away from gaming into all of us sitting there, <laughs> going through it all one by one. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And obviously it's an anti-elite crew... Um, scheme as well because you're going to score a VP if there are no minions in play so the kind of henchman heavy no miniony type crews are going to not be very happy about that yeah but it it could also encourage depending on the other schemes it can also encourage the um the same crew as you have and make them suffer yeah that you just have one minion or peon that you hide in the far corner yeah um, I've certainly seen people when Make Them Suffers in the pool run that sort of thing. I think it's interesting that it, your master can't do any killing for it to not, score. Not of minions or peons, but it can go after the opposing henchmen enforcers that they may have put in the pool mm. to try and kill your minions. Yes, yes, it, it, yeah. he's got, but he's not going to score points, that's what I'm saying. No, not from that. No. No. Great one for McCabe if you're going to hide Luna in a corner and have dogs anyway, isn't it? Um... Yeah, it's good for Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you don't want to have too many minions because then it's too many easy targets for your opponent to kill. Yeah. It's why it encourages interesting yeah. crew builds. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you got, you don't want if you have loads of them, then they've just got a multitude of targets to go. I'll kill yeah. that one this time. This yeah. time. I think we're going to be seeing this in fifty percent of games. Yeah. This is on a suit. You know, mm-hmm. you're gonna to have to get used to it, and that might shake up the the meta quite a bit. Yeah. Right on the tomes, then we have leave your mark. Oh, I hate this one. This one looks awkward as anything. Um, you have to drop a scheme marker, uh, six inch, at least six inch from the into the enemy's deployment zone, and you've got to be able to remove that marker. While it's there, and not within four inch of an enemy non-peon. So, in other words, you've got to find an area of the board deep in their half, which they're nowhere near or can get anywhere near. Put down a marker and take it away. Ugh. Yeah, thank God Silverins exist. Is all I can say. It yeah. is quite difficult, I think. That one. This is weep friendly, shall we say? Yeah. Weep but... to the spot, drop, and pick up. But yeah, it's but it's also it's great from from the shadows. Then anyone with from the shadows, it's can't interact the first turn. But yeah, well, I know they can't interact the first turn, but you can't score in the first turn. True. 
But it's also good because you can block it just by mo- by moving your models within four inches of the scheme markers. Yeah. But again, then it might be something else. It might be plant explosives. Yeah. Or it might be set up. So, and again, you're making your opponent's crew react to what you're doing, which is always going to be a good thing as well. Yeah. But it's on, it's on a tome, Joel, as you said, with crows, so it's going to be coming up. So. Yep. Yeah, you're I've... going to see it a lot. Um, along, with, which is, along with the one that is actually, I think, my favourite scheme of the um, suit schemes, which is show of force. Mm, the ram. Yeah. Because it's all about the upgrades you have. I'm, it will make me completely change my crew builds. It's all about mm. the number of upgrades rather than the value of upgrades. Yeah. Um, and yes, this one, even if you're not taking it, could shake up the crew build. Because you might just want to take an upgrade or something to block your opponent in case. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's one of the, it's one of those ones where because I t- I typically run my crews upgrade light. But mm, if this is you do, the don't pool, you? If this is in the pool, then I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm going to have to put a couple of extras in and take. You know, do I take one less model and put a couple of extras upgrades in? Another one, another good one for McCabe or anyone that can throw upgrades out though. Well, you say that, McKay, well, no, an, up, an upgrade that didn't start, on, you've got to be an upgrade that didn't start on a master. Yeah, it's non-master model. Yeah, but it's also, there's also, it began specific, the, oh, right, yeah. there's also a specific line to prevent it being McCabe friendly. Um, there is actually, it's not totally McCabe unfriendly, however. Um, if McCabe takes the emissary, <laughs> the emissary gets one of his upgrades for free on the emissary. Right. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't start on the master, so you've still got one upgrade you can throw out somewhere. Yeah. But it is only one. It's one of those schemes that makes things like um, Little Lass mm. more appealing than um, potentially taking Old Cranky, because she gets to attach one of Mars upgrades for free. Yeah, Sammy as well. Yeah. Sensei you. As long as something didn't start on a master, yeah, that'd be good. I mean, he's got that ability to drag drag one in, hasn't he? Because if he can um, yep. use Disciple to pick one up, in effect, that he's not started with. Yeah. Hey, I like the way this might mitigate some of the imbued energies we call training Oathkeeper type upgrades. Do you sack them for the effect, or do you keep them on to score? Or what yeah. of scoring? You know, anything that asks another question in Malifo is probably a good idea. Yes. Well, let's not bring us more questions. So. Yeah. Subtle that one. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good one. And you know, does it paint a target on your models that have upgrades? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um but then those models are probably the targets anyway. Does people start buying hands? <laughs> Ah, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Does Tara buy hands, bury hands, and then shoot with him? Somebody's been thinking about things like this, haven't they? Uh, Just this stuff pops into my head. I think you're right, Mike. It will change. If if that's there, it potentially changes your um, your crew build. Yeah. And again, it's going to show up. Yeah. It's going to show up often, it's, and it's why I like it because it, it's going to make you think. It's going to make you think. Mm. So um, it's the numbers then. Yeah. 
unlike number one, which won't make you think because it's just the same as um, it's covert breakthrough, um, and it's exactly the same as breakthrough except you can't reveal it. Yeah, I see. You need the three markers. Yeah, <laughs> don't like that one. Why not? Being needed to be different in some way, shape, or form. No, I like the fact that it's, it's unrevealed, so you need to have the three markers down. And I like the way it's not on a suit anymore, so it'll be less commonly showing up. Yeah. It was break. It was always such a break. Uh, a breakthrough, a no-brainer. Mm. Declare it, take it. Drop if, you can, if you can't get the two markers down, um, the chances are you've lost the game anyway. You, you know, every, something's gone horribly pear-shaped anyway. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite terribly too simple, but it was fairly close. Yeah. Or power ritual in flank and corner. In flank and corner. Yeah. yeah, thank God that's gone. Um, and it, and then you get it's interesting. Of course, they're slightly different names, but then you get um, on the two, it's undercover entourage, which again is entourage, but now you can't reveal it, hence undercover. Right, it's got some elements of bricks are in there as well. Uh, bodyguard, sorry, in there. Because uh, now it's just on the master, but it's you know it's got half wounds or more. They get the third point. Yeah. Um, I like that one. I always did like Contrad yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to the ah, ha, 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 one. Yes. Otherwise known as swear word wavy. Yes. <laughs> um, so neutralise the leader. Um. Is you can't reveal it. Um, the first time the enemy leader is reduced below half of their starting wounds, gain one VP. So if Levy does his um, channel for positives thing, then your opponent is just going to get a point because that will take you know that always takes you below half wounds. Mm-hmm. And then. The next one, the next bit is the first time the enemy leader leaves play, score two VP. So yep. a typical in a typical levy game, you would have scored three. Your opponent would score three VP in the first turn. Second, oh yeah, second turn latest. <laughs> um, so is there any other leaders that it penalises in the same way that leave play? Dreamer, dreamer, yeah, uh, potentially justice with her emissary. Yes. What but does he just, do with um? Sorry, I say Tara with all her burying. Does does bury count as leaves play? Yes. So there's a lot of burying. Does that make her a lot a lot more powerful at this than? It's almost everything a, in her crew is going to bury in some way. I suppose she needed to be a bit more powerful, but yeah, she's still got to be able to bury the enemy leader. Mm. It, 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 does, it does make um. It were you know death marshals. I was about to say, a Red Joker Death Marshal is a two-point. Brutal Emissary is nice. Anything that can cage and berries another model gets a benefit. Yeah. Yes. Not that he he needed anything else. Um. I found this... I think this is a very interesting one. I think it's an interesting design decision. Um, but you know, 
it's one of those ones if you're a, if you're a levy player and it comes up in the pool do you do you just go okay i'm going to give up 3 points mm. or do you not play levy yeah that's always another option <laughs> yep did you play another master instead yeah yeah well, again it, it, and that exactly pushes us away from fixed master tournaments exactly right um Matt, i think this is one of the things i've picked up from these schemes a lot more the thing is you know if you saw assassinate in the pool where are you an outcast player levy was a no-brainer they weren't going to score the points yeah no. it's... and uh, so you know this is good this goes the other way <clears throat> it's, time, it's time to adapt yeah and as i say it's you know if you run the risk then if you're going single master at a tournament by choice then you're going to run that risk. You know, if you rock up with Levy, then Levy, you're going to run that risk. Same way as, you know, there were certain masters that, did, and we've spoken about in the past, would struggle to achieve certain schemes. They weren't impossible, but they were going to be a lot harder. So, you know, the first thought I see is, why the hell would you declare Levy as a single master at a tournament? You'd go outcast. You'd take take your bag. Likewise, Dreamer. Dreamer can be played around with it a bit. You just don't bring Chompy out. You'd have to play Dreamer in a, in a slightly different way, but you could do it. Um, you can still summon enough if you're yeah. doing summoning Dreamer. You never have to actually bury him. What I cost don't like about that is it kind of thinks, well, I can't bring out this huge model which is sort of nicely painted that's the most of my box set plastic because mm. um, I'll lose a game if I bring him on the table. If that scheme is in the pool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which... I must admit, if I was if I played either of those masters, I would just take the three point. I'm going to give my opponent three points on the chin and yeah. carry on playing, and yeah. just carry on, and just carry on, um, and w- work to eliminate whatever their other scheme was while scoring the points from my schemes. Yeah, yep. and it depends what else then comes up in the pool as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's on it's on it's on a three now, isn't it? So it's not going to yeah. show up in a game. No. No. So then we've got catch and release as number four. Um, which is basically another give them a condition. Uh, you take a one in, you may target a non PR model. I think it's interesting. Now, so this is one thing I think is interesting. Um, you have to be within an inch to yeah. take the interact action. Uh, and then you give them a condition and the condition is um, you can take a two action to remove the condition. Yes. So is it condition does nothing, then is it is on. <laughs> yes. Basically, it's a you're it mm-hmm. condition. Well, it's kind of distract, isn't it? You're scoring if you've got two people tagged. Yes. So I think, oh, excuse me. Oh. It's almost exactly distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Frame for murder. Didn't change. No. But, um, because... No, it it did. Really? Yeah, is it not... um, Was Frame frame not turn four before? Yeah. And it's turn three now. It's turn three now. Okay, yeah. Slight change. But, um... Yeah, the basics of the same. functionally is still. Yeah, oh, I was playing Frame for Murder the, the week. I was playing Frame for Murder at the weekend. 
and against my opponent's Marcus crew. So I've got the rail. I've got the rail. I've got it on the rail golem. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the rail golem is standing next to Miranda, Marcus, and um, a saber tooth Cerberus. So I have to make um, Miranda and Marcus kill the rail golem. I have the rail golem pulverize the Cerberus. Yeah. One one activation, Cerberus from full wounds to nothing, because I was burning five or six, and I had a load of low tomes. Yeah, well, commotion. Yeah, bang, 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 masses, masses damage. Okay, and I'm going right. Come on, come on, hit me, hit me. So my opponent duly attacked me, takes me to one wound. I'm going excellent. I'm going to get killed by a master or a henchman. Nice. Next turn comes round. I'm not activating the rail golem. I'm leaving. I'm activating other stuff. My opponent doesn't attack it. He does <laughs> other things. I'm going, oh, just attack it. I'm, I'm like dying <laughs> inside. Just attack it, please. So in the end, I have to activate the rail golem. And so I smack um, Miranda with the rail golem. Right, I'm going, I'll get Marcus to beat me up. They've only got a wound left. So I smack Miranda. I kill Miranda. Of course, Miranda has his frame for murder. <laughs> but you're not a master. I'm so not a master or a henchman, so I'm all right. And eventually, and then he wastes. He 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 tries to alpha something, but Black Joker's the can't. I'm going just punch it. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, he goes, "You know, I've got an AP left. Oh, I'll just punch the rail golem." And so he punches the rail golem, and I go, thank you. Thank you. Unfortunately, the flips went my way, so I didn't have to cheat down, because otherwise I was, I was ready. I had a one, but I was going <laughs> to cheat down, because, you know, minimum damage was going to kill him. And I'm going, oh, please, please, please. But no, fortunately, he died. It was, but I'm sitting there, and I'm just Because I'm never sure with frame whether you put it on a chunky model like the rail golem. Because that's going to, you know, a master, you're probably going to want a master to hit it. Or you put it on a wimpy model and, you know, just have the thing. Mm. I've done both. I, I vary it up. Yeah. So, I don't know. I like, I like frame. It's fun. I like frame as well. All right, so what are we on to? Six. Detonate the charges. <laughs> Plant explosives. A corrected plant explosives, yeah. Uh, Now, now you can't do it with one marker on three models. You can only get three points if two markers are going to get detonated. You can only score a maximum of two VPs from one. Yeah. From one marker. One one removal of scheme markers. So you you, you need at least two markers down to score, not just find one spot and drop, drop a cheeky one. Yeah, uh, which is fair enough by me. There's no, it, it you know stops cheeky primordial just floating into three models or yeah. uh, McCabe's cheeky, cheeky reactivating hound. Yeah, it ruins, it ruins my, my flesh construct barreling up the table with um, inject. Unless you're happy taking two VP from it, mate. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, I like this one. Um, yeah, so some of the crews I'll be playing this year, I really like this one. Yeah, I like that one. 
So set up. So that's spring the trap. Yeah, corrected spring the trap. Much easier to do. This time you're not trying to pin the enemy master, you just need yeah. to put these markers within four inch of enforcer, henchman or master. Yeah, a named master, henchman or enforcer. It's still one model though, isn't it? But it's you've got a choice. Yes, but it's my, the problem with Spring the Trap is that if Spring the Trap was in the pool, your opponent would be very cagey with his master around yep, scheme absolutely. markers. Yeah. Now he has to be very yeah. cagey with you know, two-thirds of his crew. <laughs> and if and the other thing passes is... in the same stream and he has to go after your minions with yeah. uh, enforcers and henchmen. The only problem I see with this is that uh, once you... St- oh, no it's, it, no, it's still at the end of any turn. So as soon as you start scoring, you've obviously revealed it straight away at that point. Um, is it going to be hard to get three? Well, it depends if you can get three markers on. Mm-hmm. I know that. But that's the same as Spring the Trap was. Yeah. I mean, it, it plays strongly then into... Um, anything with obey or lure or something like that. Lure, lure, because actually you're not trying to lure a master anymore. You try. It could be something that is significantly lower in willpower. Yep. Or without the ability to soul stone. <laughs> yeah. You could just play Pandora and just not worry about it. Well, it comes back into a, like a double bell crew. You could just drop your three, drop your three markers. Double bell crews? You mean nine, nine bells? bells yeah. Well, yeah, but you know you can run you run two bells and you know you've got that you can drag the any bells. of those any of those henchmen or enforcers quite a distance in a single turn, and your three scoring markers doesn't have to start anywhere near it because you'll drag it into play. Do you know what actually the, the nine bell levy crew might actually get a benefit from this because if whoever isn't going to be burying himself or killing himself, he doesn't need the anchors anyway. To avoid neutralizing the Like it needs more souping up. <laughs> yeah, it's totally viable now. I wonder if it could, I wonder if I, if I played Levy and Pan, and Levy and Nine Bells, I could beat Pandora. Oh, I, I think you know, I think Levy and Nine Bells beats everything, right? Oh, that's right. Then. That's my new crew. I've got Nine Bells somewhere. I got. I'm going to get some sleigh bells that'll fit on the bases. Jingle, nice jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. It's a bell. Yeah. I've had seven bells knocked out of me before. Mm. I used to fancy the bells of St. Trinian's. Mm. But all of them? Well, all the older ones. <laughs> the ones in sightings. I'm going to have to go lie down now. That's the bucket. So, number eight, search the ruins. Pete, so- are you still there, mate? I'm still here, yeah, just about listening in. Sorry, half. I, I will talk in a second. There we go. Hey! <laughs> there we go. I haven't fallen asleep, I promise. Well, I like Search the Ruins. That's kind of a bit like Turf War, but for scheme markers. You have to get them near the middle, don't you? Yeah. So in a recon game or interference game, where you don't want to be going in that six-inch area, yeah. you might have to decide what's the more important. So we've come. There's been a lot. There's a lot of scheme marker ones. Mm. No more than the word, I don't think. You don't think so? Do you not think? <laughs> does it play? I don't know. Does 
is Colette, for example, with all her scheme marker shenanigans, at an advantage? I don't think she's any better off than she was. Okay. Because they've still got uh, to be in the right place, haven't they? Yeah, she's very, very good at that bit, though. Well, yeah, but... But, I mean, I'll look at Search the Ruins and I think of whichever it is, Mighty Gust, I think it is. Is it the one that's yeah. in the Shalom crew that actually picks up and moves markers as well yep. as models? Does the um, not counting within two of other friendly models negate a lot of the scheme markery tricks of pushing them about and stacking them up? Some of them, yeah, quite a few of them. Um, it'll be interesting to see how players change their behaviour based on that. And still, plays, is it the large arachnid that's got the removal scheme markers within three or six inches or something like that? And, and the executioner. Yeah, the executioner as well. Yes, the swarm. Yeah. yeah. There's Ionus um, has the ability to turn uh, enemy scheme markers into friendly scheme markers. Uh, like McMorning then. Yeah. Oh, but he can do it as during 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 oh, the game. The game. See, yeah. one of the things that these the scheme pool does do is it makes um, evidence tampering a lot less useful. Yeah, because you're not waiting and scoring. Because it's not the at game. the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I would, I would be tempted if I'm playing 16. I and I'm just playing with morning. I would be tempted not to take it. Yeah, because mm. I haven't seen one where it's score at the end. Everything is scoring during the game now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's in the breakthrough is the only one yeah. that I've seen so far. Gives me more of an excuse to run Philip and the nanny, turn them into corpse markers. Just eat them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I'm mindful of the, the hour, so. Uh, we've got Mark for Death. Um, which is another give them a condition yeah. type and thing. Then, and then kill them. And kill them. Right, okay. So basically you do a one interaction to give them a, a condition, and then you, if they are reduced to zero wounds, all leaves play. Yeah. Yeah. So this is quite a good one. This is another good one, I think, for um, things like... Um, Oh, McGill Marshals. Yeah. Death Marshals. Death Marshals. Yeah. Because, you know, they mark and then they go, right now, bro, you. Yeah, well, especially with the play. That's a point. Yeah, with the judge giving that ability with his um, do stuff yes. one, um, command of whatever it is. Yes. I think yeah. the other thing that's interesting about this is you can't, it's, there isn't, it's not a score one point um, per turn. Yeah. Yes, you could technically do it to three models in a turn. You could technically score three three points if you could um, mark and bury three models. Um, Or, how about this one? Could you make the same model leave play three times in a turn? Bury, unbury through a death Bury, unbury... Bury, unbury, and then rebury, and unbury, and then kill it. Could do is reactivating the death marshal. Yeah. To get him out and put another one in. Because only do it twice. Yeah. Yeah, and you only need to mark once because there's no way to remove mark. Yeah. Mick, right. McCabe could do it three times. Yeah. He could, uh, yeah, McCabe can do that with death with three death marshals. 
yeah. in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause but, but that's also the new crew build that you never see, so fair enough. Because I think what you'll end up with, what I think what you'll actually end up with this one is that this will be three points for both sides. Yeah. Because, because there's no way to remove the marked condition once it's on. Hmm. Once you start marking stuff up, it's always marked, and then it, whoever it doesn't it doesn't matter who kills it. Yeah, and bearing in mind is any model they're engaged with, so it's not like you've got to be within an inch. So things with a three inch melee range can mark up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Cool. So it will make crews like Padita the shooty don't come anywhere near you. Think a bit more. They can't just shoot you off the board then run up. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't have to get in there to mark them, aren't you? Yeah. And if you know you're not marked, you know, it's got to worry about charging in in case they kill you on the charge mm. without marking you. Yeah. So if you're if you're talking a kind of guildy gunline crew, you're probably going to see a watcher in there or something like that to fly in and do the marking. Or you or know, guild the, hounds. Ostringers pushing people with their action. Yeah. Pushing, mark, activate, kill. Yeah, yeah. It also, um, because it it just reduced to zero wounds or leaves play. You can't kill your own marked models. Yeah, but also things like death by poison or death by burning. <laughs> you don't have to worry about well, who killed it, right? Let's yeah. see who's the ability. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's their leaving yeah. play, or yeah, reduced to zero wounds. Like Karai's, um sacrifice of spirit, you can't. It, it, um, distracted or something, you could have just sacrificed it to get plus two. Can't mm. do that now because they it gives away the point. Wait, aren't they a peons there? Uh, only if you sacrifice your station. If you sacrifice anything that's been yeah, say, yeah. any distracted spirit, yeah, or, yeah, I see, uh, no, I see what you're saying. Okay, public demonstration. I also like this one. Love this one. It's it's uh. such a clever. Strat, this one. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Scheme, scheme, scheme not strat. So, for those who are familiar, you've got to have, name three minions at the start of the game. The total cost of these minions has to be 15 or more. But they don't all have to be the same minion. Mm-hmm. So you could have one cheaper one, two more expensive ones. Uh, you have to get these minions within four inches of the enemy masters and henchmen. Or enforcer. And if an enforcer, just have them there. Yeah. Um... That's cool. you got, so you've got to get them alive, you've got to get them to the right place. Um, this is um, a, you know, there are some minions who just do this very well. For me, my first one of choice, the first thought was Ronin. Mm-hmm. A model who's hard to kill who can walk to the right spot. Um, you know, but there's plenty that can do it nicely. Yeah. Um, with the right mixing of the scheme pool, though, do you want to put those nearest they've got the hunting party? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, you got you got to think about it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, think a, I think that's one of the things about the whole um, the whole of the schemes is that there are a lot of interesting interactions. If this scheme and this scheme are in the pool, they're sort of what you want to do are mutually opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. That conflicting side of. No, I like that. I've, I'm very impressed with them so far. In a make them in a game with the the new make them suffer as well. Yeah. Um, if that's uh, do you want to be pushing those minions into harm's way? 
Yeah, there's certainly um, the kind of immediate gimme go-to type of schemes. The auto includes if it's there because the chances are it will put you in conflict with at least one other of the schemes in the pool. Yeah. No, I like it. Because you'll and never know what you'll put us up to. There's going to be the relearning as well, mm. isn't it? It's good that it's getting shaped, shaken up yeah. a bit as well. Yeah, no, I, I did see some people saying, oh, it's a whole new game, to which I pointed out, it's not a new game. The mechanics of the game are exactly the same. It's just new victory conditions. Yeah. Yes. Go on. I was going to say, new mindset potentially for crew building. That's probably the bigger thing that's, yeah. that will change meta. Yeah, 60% of your VPs have changed. Yes. That's all. 40% still the same and the gameplay is the same. So number eleven, inspection. Now this is a replacement for that flank, where you can, but you can now score every turn rather than just being at the end. Yeah, yeah and you don't need, you don't have to worry <laughs> about being engaged, but you do need both ends of that centre line. So how you set up and deploy for this is going to be crucial. Do you take it? Why do you need both? Oh, at where each end. Yeah. yeah. So do you do you take this scheme and split your crew? Do you deploy flank and send one down the other half to try and get it and hold on? Do you not take this scheme and split your crew to bluff you've got it? Uh, it's, this is one's going to be very interesting for how people or players deal with this and sell the game. Yeah, it's another centre line base scheme marker thing, you know, because there's a lot of within two inches, within four inches, so there's a lot of schemes that I think, I could think be... This, I think this one is going to be very interesting um, when you're also playing uh, squatters' rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I think, because, I think you, because you've got two squatter, squat markers within six inches of the edge already. Yeah. So going for those and going for those squat markers is a perfectly natural thing to do. Yep. So you might be able to disguise that you've got this as well. Well, I think more importantly is now because of the way that line and oh, convict convict labour works mm-hmm. means that it becomes a viable accompanying scheme to convict labour, whereas perhaps outflank wasn't quite as easy because line in the sand wasn't quite as easy. If you see what I mean. On the other side of it, it opens you up to, if your opponent thinks you're going to do it, and they deploy on one flank, and they take you off that flank of the board. Yeah. Yeah, you are not going to score for that scheme at all, because you do need both sides. Yeah. So you've got but to be able to back up both. Yeah, but once you've got, you got, got that scheme marker down, down, then all, if all stood, of it. If they're stood near but, it, they negate it. Unless you've got other things that are in that scheme pool where you don't yeah. want to put things in the proximity of scheme markers. You run for that, that centre-line edge and drop a scheme marker on it, all of a sudden it's, you know, are, is, are they doing convict labour? Or is another one of those schemes where I really don't want to be in proximity of their scheme markers in play? Yeah. That's the thing. I think every game of Maui 4 now truly becomes a very different tactical experience. Yes. They always were different, but this is really going to shake things up in that respect. I think it'll be very interesting... Because um, you're using these at League of Extraordinary Henchmen, aren't you, Joe? Yes. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the players cope with it and whether it produces differences in 
results from what you would yeah. expect. Because there will be some players who will pick these up very quickly, and there will be some players who just go, I don't understand. I think that it's, there's more than that. I think the players that are able to decipher what your opponent is doing and what schemes they've picked, because that's kind of, to my mind, one of the harder things and where you get the most benefit, is if you can clock early doors what unrevealed schemes potentially your opponent is running, then you tailor your game to try and negate them from scoring. I think this is with nothing starting revealed, and so many of them being oriented around scheme markers, it's going to be a lot harder to try and second-guess what your opponent has picked, and therefore play in a style that's going to negate their ability to score points. And the interesting thing for the events will be that the top 16 players are doing those very skills, um, playing on Saturday. Yeah. They're busy with Masters day one. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the field is adjusting and gets at least a day's advance on the on the on the Masters who will get on those who will get dropped for the Masters into the Sunday side of it. Yeah. I think so. Um so twelve we have a quick murder. Um which is murder it's murder protege. Except you have to do it a turn faster. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, a lot of these schemes are just playing into my hands now, being turn three ones now. That's another. Po- that's a good point. I mean, bodyguard's gone. There's nothing turn four based. Mm. Well, there's an acknowledgement the there. For, yeah, I think there's an acknowledgement there within these that actually. Things like that, when there's the potential for, even if it's not deliberate slow play, but where we're, where we're running tight timelines at tournaments that, you know, things that you are accumulating scores that you need turn five and to be able to score, you, you don't pick them. Why would you pick bodyguard? And you, you would, you know, you'd be almost crazy to try and pick bodyguard because you're not going to get full points for it. So. I think it's going to be interesting. I, I, one thing that I thought this would be interesting on, um, is, how it's going to affect players like Craig, who are late game players? Yeah, that could be very interesting. Um, and you know that Craig Craig is an excellent player. He doesn't listen, so he won't hear. Um, <laughs> but his enti- his whole methodology is based around. Um, Uh, late game play. Yep, we're game aggression. Yeah. Does the fact that a lot of them are scoring earlier and you can score from sort of second turn onward give a big boost to the um, the emissaries with the destiny condition? Well, that's the uh, because a lot of the teams you would have taken before wouldn't have nothing would have happened. You get plus one destiny when you score one BP. Now, they're going to be a lot more powerful with the fact that you can score three VP turn two now. Well, they're, strategy, they're still on the strategy points, not the schemes for those. Is it a strategy? Oh, you'd say there. Yeah, so it should, it should bounce out. Um, and then the last one is Occupy the Turf, which I really don't like. Same here. It, it... I can't think of a time when I've got a load of minion models within 
two inches of my opponent's deployments. <laughs> Not yeah, I, well, I remember reading. Yeah, it's a bit strange this one. I think, bearing in mind the quality of all the others. Yeah, um, it probably lends itself more to the corner deployment or the flank deployment ones, I guess. Because you've got got more depth to table, in effect. Yeah, Pigapult can score this in a turn. You see, Matt, I don't think it does help on the flank deployment one. I don't think so either, Matt. I think it's actually against it. Exactly, it's against it. Because on on a standard deployment, you have a three-foot width to deploy your models in. With yeah. on a flank deployment, I haven't sat down and done the maths, but you've certainly got less than three feet because you have to be ten inches away from the center line, and obviously at the edge yeah, of the thing, you can't get ten inches away. No, but you've potentially got more depth because that far corner is more than ten inches away from the center line. I mean, it's more than 18 inches away from the centre line. So, you know, there is the ability to get behind the crew and get deeper into the table. Surely. Yeah, it's a case of with what, though? Because the enemy crew's in the way. <laughs> well, unless you've got flying models or things that are buried that can unbury behind, soulstone miners and the like. Soulstone miners would be good. Soulstone miners... Can't bear within six inches of deployment zone or an enemy model. Yeah, they can't come up. Yeah, they can't come up basically. Within six inches. Well, they, 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 so six inches of the enemy deployment zone or an enemy model. Yeah, yeah, but, but you, but they can come up at the back end of the table and then make a move into getting that ten inches away from the centre line. Potentially. From the shadows again, you know you. I guess if you're from the shadows on a standard deployment, then you've got a real opportunity. Well, from the sh- if you have three from the shadows models, you can score first turn. Exactly. And on that, I think we should stop. Yep. We've gone. Well, we've, we've, gone, we've, we've done gone, more now. We've gone for hours. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Peter. Brazilian. Poor Peter's fallen asleep. I'm, I'm sound. I, I'm, I'm, I've got to remember. I'm, I'm meant to be talking, not listening. Are you going to come back on? <laughs> it's like it's like listening to the podcast, but in real. That's it. We've lost Joel. He didn't even say goodbye. Bye, Joel. That was Joel. He's gone because it's late. It's well past my bedtime. It's quarter past eleven. Yeah, that's well past my bedtime. Yeah, insomniac. I'm not even tired yet. Oh, boohoo! Yeah, it was fine. I'm still painting ninjas. Yeah, I paint. I did some painting. I worked on my uh, um, Frostgrave apprentice. Who, when I was painting him, I was thinking, I'm screwing this up. But now I've gone back and given him a second look. I'm thinking, oh, actually, I've done quite a good job on him. (laughs) He looks good next to the, uh, to my wizard. 
Have you done his eyes yet? No. I'm scared to do him. I'll get round to him. Yeah, he's come back out of the toilet now. Yeah. Who has? You have. No, it's cleaned up the line. The, the sound quality's yeah. cleaned up again. Oh, it was fine on my end. Which is why I hey. Which is why I didn't care. Right. Shall we go then? Yes, I think on that note, that was Butterfly Gamers episode Dux. Yes. Um, quack, hope, quack. Hopefully that was a rambling, meandering... Load of old Rabbit. Yeah. We didn't even get to talk about DAFCON. Well, we should do that um, on Fool's Daily with some of the event organisers. How about that for an idea? Yeah, all right then. When are you going to buy a DAFCON ticket? That might be a problem. You're not going to come? I've organised a special event. I've organised events just for you because I love you. I, I understand that, Mike, but financials might not be able to allow that to happen. I've got to be realistic about it, haven't I? I would love to. Prostitute yourself. I will do. Good. As Nicholas Witchell. Okay, good. Because I, I don't... I've organised Iron Cross. No, I did. <laughs> okay. I had you organise Iron Cross. You had me. I've always had you. You had me at hello. Very good. Okay. Oh well. Is it you I'm looking for? (laughs) Is it me you're looking for? I don't know. Nicholas Witchell. (laughs) We do. Nicholas Newton Henschel Witchell. We are going to have to come back and record because um, I was given an excellent idea for a show, but we need to prepare. Peter, you can prepare for this as well. And we'll get can you I on prepare? as well. What, oh, I can say something then. What? What we? I'll, I'll, I'll prepare. Right. I'll make notes. So, but we should say. Should we say goodbye first or not? Oh no! I was going to let people know. Or do you want me oh, to okay. say goodbye? No, I'll no, say carry goodbye. On. No, we'll say goodbye. Okay. Okay. So, bye-bye. bye bye. It's goodbye from Nicholas Winch. Winchell. Bye. Bye. And bye. Conrad. And you'll never hear from him again. Through Nicholas Witchell. No, you. <laughs> bye bye. It's a god awful small affair. To the girl with the mousy hair. But her mummy is yelling no. And her daddy has told her to go. But her friend is nowhere to be seen. Now she walks through her sunken dream. To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a sad thing for For she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools And say